Amen. Amen. Now, I wonder if we could turn in our Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. And we read from verse 1 of the chapter. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, and beginning our reading at the first verse of the chapter. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to, unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these things, all these are the beginning of sorrows. They then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let him which is, uh, which be in, let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, to them that give suck in those days. For pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the, world, or since the beginning of the world, to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that it if, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to our hearts for his name's sake. In that portion of scripture, you see the disciples asking the Lord Jesus 
about the signs of his coming and the end of the world. And you can see that the Lord uh, speaks to them about those things. He speaks about wars and rumors of wars and all of those things. And he says these are the beginning of sorrows, but the end is not yet. That's the first stage. Um, and we realize that those kind of things have happened right throughout the last days, which extend from the time when our Lord Jesus was upon earth. But then he goes on and he speaks about false prophets and false Christs and false doctrines. He says there in verse 24, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and they shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. And it's, it seems then that coming towards the time when our Savior is coming again, there will be an increase in false doctrine, and there will be uh, an increase in those who claim to be Christ or stand in the place of Christ or claim to be gods or whatever it is. And so it is that even around the 19th century and from that there has been an increase in the false doctrines that have come about. And one of those false doctrines is the cult of Jehovah Witnesses. Now, Jehovah Witness is a major movement in 2022. Uh, they said they had 6.9 million or 8.5 million members involved in evangelism, uh, 19.7 million attending the annual memorial of Christ's death. It was uh, founded from uh, a Bible students movement in the 1870s by the man there in the photograph, Charles Tears Rush Russell. He co-founded the Zion's Watchtower and Tract Society in 1881, and he began to print the, and publish the movement's publication. He was born 16th of February 1852 in Pennsylvania in the United States. He, as a boy, he was quite religious. Um, he showed a great deal of religious enthusiasm. And while a teenager, he left the Presbyterian church that he had belonged to, uh, attended a congregational church. And as a form of evangelism, he would go out uh, and write Bible verses in chalk on the, in public locations. Uh, and he, uh, he wrote the Bible verses related to sin and damnation. And then at 16, the age of 16, he engaged in debate with a friend uh, about the reliability and the validity of Christianity, and it sort of shook his faith, and he embarked on a phase of his life where he was really searching, and he dabbled in Eastern religions and all of these different things before he realized that these things were just uh, empty and unsatisfying uh, and to him to, uh, uh, as his uh, nominal Christian religion was as well. But like the Seventh-day Adventists, um, 
the Jehovah Witness movement really originated uh, with uh, the Millerites. Remember the last time we were speaking about the Seventh-day Adventist, we spoke about William Miller, who predicted that the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ would take place in 1840, I think it was. And in 1870, after encountering Millerite preachers, uh, Russell converted and sold uh, his clothing stores and poured his life and money into this uh, Millerite Adventist religion. He published uh, what was to become his uh, main work, Studies in the Scriptures, and they sold more than 20 million copies during his lifetime. He uh, founded the Zion's Watchtower and Tract Society in 1881, and uh, the main headquarters of the Jehovah's Witnesses still called Zion's Watchtower and Tract Society. But it, it went through different names. They were the Bible students, the international Bible students, associated Bible students, independent Bible students. They came to England in 1881, where the first overseas branch was opened in London in 1900, and they took on the name of international Bible students. Now, there was uh, splits in the organization. We'll go on to the next slide here. Um, after uh, Russell died, a man by the name of uh, Fra Joseph Franklin Rutherford took over. He was known as Judge Rutherford, and he uh, promoted uh, his own views. And because of that, there was a split in the International Bible Students Association. And uh, the group that Rutherford had went on to become known as the Jehovah Witnesses. But there are still splits to this day. Um, I knew a number of people down in Fermanagh. I don't know whether it is uh, anywhere else other than in Fermanagh who were known as Dawn Bible students. And the, um, my uncle's mother and father were Dawn Bible students for a while, and my wife's mother's boss was a Dawn Bible student. But you don't get many of them, but they are an offshoot of the Jehovah Witness, and there have been these schisms that have taken place. But as we say, the main Jehovah Witness movement followed Judge Rutherford, he published a, a book called The Finished Mystery. This was the uh, thing that they all fell out about. But in The Finished Mystery, uh, Rutherford said uh, about Revelation 3 and 16, he said, the special messenger to the last age of the church was Charles T. Russell, born February the 16th, 1852. He has privately admitted his belief that he was the one chosen for his great work from before his birth. So they say this was the thing that really marked these ones out, that they, uh, well, the Dawn Bible students would also say that they followed Russell, but the old teachings. But uh, here they say that, uh, uh, that, uh, um, the, the uh, founder of the Jehovah Witnesses, 
He was the one who was the chosen one uh, and chosen for the great work that he was to do. Now, there have been many controversies about um, Russell, uh, Charles Taze Russell. The first one is to do with perjury in court. There was a minister by the name of J.J. Ross. He was the minister of James Street Baptist Church in Hamilton, Ontario. And he published uh, this booklet, Some Facts and More Facts, uh, about the self-styled pastor Charles T. Russell. And in this book, uh, the Reverend Ross allays that uh, Russell had been involved in questionable business practices, that he had defrauded his estranged uh, wife and he denounced Russell's uh, qualifications uh, and his legitimacy as a pastor. And Russell took this man, this minister, to court and accused him of slander. Now, the court case was, uh, was uh, uh, brought and the ju judge was a man by the name of George Jelts. And in the midst of all that was taking place, the, um, uh, the uh, attorney for uh, the prosecution, or, the, the, or for, for, uh, uh, the, for Ross, said to Russell on the stand, uh, you claim to be a pastor, you claim that you know Greek and Hebrew and all of these things, which he had claimed. And so the, uh, the uh, lawyer, the attorney, said to him, can you tell me uh, the uh, letters, identify these letters of the Greek alphabet, which he showed him. And Russell was not able to identify the Greek letters. In other words, he had to admit that he did not know the Greek language after saying that he did know the Greek language. So there has that been that question of whether he was a liar. Second uh, thing that is a mark against his character is the selling of miracle wheat. Um, there was uh, this thing, that, this uh, wheat, uh, this grain, uh, the, a strain of wheat which was known as miracle wheat. There was a man by the name of K.B. Stoner from Virginia who claimed that he had discovered this strain of wheat that was better than any other strain of wheat. And Russell was selling this wheat at $60 a bushel, which was a lot more than you would have bought wheat for in those days. In 1912 and 1930, the Eagle uh, newspaper uh, reported on Russell's alleged for, uh, fraud, and they got the government, the government had investigated this miracle wheat, and they found that it was of low grade rather than being of high grade. Uh, so uh, prior to entering the court, the Eagle declared, that at the trial we will show that Pastor Russell's religious cult is nothing more than a money-making scheme. So there has been that controversy. Now, they, they, we're, we're, we're just going on the fact 
that uh, Judge Rutherford has said that this is God's authentic witness for this for the Laodicean age. But there are all of these different things that go against him. Then there was his divorce. Uh, he divorced his wife, Maria. He married her, Maria Ackley. They were married in 1879, and they filed for divorce in 1903. But in the proceedings, Maria accused him of deceit, egotism, and domination, and serious indiscretions. Now, uh, they had an adopted daughter, and among the serious indiscretions were questionable things uh, that he did with the, his adopted daughter by the name of Rose Ball. And the, his, his estranged wife brought these things. She, she never accused him of adultery, but she said that he had spent a long time with this adopted daughter and called her his little wife and his jellyfish, uh, and that a heart, man's heart was so big that he could have several wives, whereas a woman's heart was so small that she could only have one man. This is what he said. Um, but anyway, and he, she confronted him with this, and she said in the court that he had said that this was true. So again, there was something questionable that took place. So we see the... Uh, founder of the cult. We see the creation of the cult, and it seems it is founded very much upon uh, Charles T. Russell and then Judge Rutherford coming after. But then I want you to think about the creed of the cult. Now, James Gray said Russellism contradicts almost every fundamental revelation. William Baderwolf said, Pastor Russell has left scarcely one great truth of fundamental doctrine untouched with his unholy and unwanted conclusions. What does he say about the scriptures, on the primacy of the scriptures? Well, he is an, a complete egotist. He was accused of that by his wife, uh, who divorced him. But it said in the Watchtower, September the 15th, 1910, uh, page 298, I have volumes of this, uh, early volumes of um, the, the Watchtower at home. Um, but he said, if the six volumes of Scripture studies, uh, he said the six volumes of Scripture studies are practically the Bible topically arranged with Bible-proof texts given. We might not improperly name the volumes the Bible in arranged form. That is to say, they are not mere comments on the Bible, but they are practically the Bible itself. Now, Jehovah Witnesses uh, will count them as practically the Bible themselves. Indeed, Russell went further than that, and he said that if someone was to leave off reading uh, the Bible itself for a while and only read studies in the Scriptures, then they would, uh, still, uh, they would still have that 
knowledge of truth. They would, they, he said, they, they would, they experience shows that within two years, if a person just reads the leaves off reading the Bible, then they will go into darkness. But he said, if they only read, if they leave off. Uh, if they only read studies in the scriptures, then after two years, they will not be in darkness. In other words, it's, be it's better to read studies in the scriptures than it is to read the Bible. That's what he felt about his own writing studies in the scriptures. Then on the deity of Christ, um, we find that in Let God Be True, which is one of the Jehovah's Witnesses' publications, they say that the archangel Michael was a god, or uh, was, was uh, Christ. Uh, he was, uh, that Christ was a mighty one, but not God. He was the angel Michael. And there was an article in 2010 in the Watchtower magazine that asked, Is Jesus the archangel Michael, and here was the response. Put simply, the answer is yes. Jesus Christ is Michael the archangel. So Michael the archangel is Jesus in his pre-human existence. After his resurrection and return to heaven, Jesus resumed his service as Michael the chief angel to the glory of God the Father. So he is not almighty God, he is the archangel Michael. Now, that is a pretty serious thing. They deny the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. We think of the verse in John 1, verse 1, uh, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, in the Jehovah Witness Bible, they change that to the Word was a God. They have no warrant for doing that. There are rules in Greek grammar that overrule that. They will argue that. But we think of the Hebrew Elohim, which is given as a, one of the names of God in the Old Testament. It is plural. It, Elohim, I am at the end of a Hebrew word, is a plural, like an S at the end of an English word. And in Genesis 1 verse 1, it is God Elohim, plural, who created the heavens and the earth. And the plural includes the different persons of the Godhead. And the singular verb stresses that they are one. And the Bible speaks about the Trinity. And the Lord Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Again, the Jehovah Witnesses will twist the Bible in order to get their doctrines fitted in. For example, in Colossians 1 verses 16 to 18, it says of Christ, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created for him, uh, by him and for him. What does the New World Translation, the Bible of the uh, Jehovah Witnesses do? 
they put in the word other. All other things were created by him. Um, and they put in that word without any warrant in the Greek text. They just insert it because they have to twist the scriptures in order to uh, bolster their own doctrine. You know, we think of the deity of Christ and Jehovah Witnesses, they deny the resurrection of Christ. They deny that he rose bodily from the grave. We know that the Lord Jesus, when he rose from the dead, we, he, he, he was not merely a spirit, but flesh and blood, bone. Remember how he said to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and put it into the wound. Uh, and uh, there was every evidence. He ate on several occasions. Remember how he made supper for the uh, disciples on the uh, shores of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and uh, we think of how the disciples on several occasions uh, touched him. So there was that bodily resurrection of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The great test is what we think of Christ. In 1 John 4 and 12, the test was uh, in that day uh, whether Jesus was really man. Uh, there were Gnostics in those days that uh, denied the manhood or the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's another test, and that's the deity of Christ. You see there, 1 John 4, verses 1 and 2, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they're of God, because many false prophets are gone into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, is of God. And then in verses 23 and 24, who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is an antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. So this is fundamental. Um, we said that in um, the uh, Seventh-day Adventism that there could be those that uh, are truly Christians, but in Jehovah's Witness, there is a complete denial of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is fundamental. So we, in these days, uh, have to oppose this they're very zealous. They'll come round. They will speak to us. But you know, well, maybe later on we'll look at some uh, texts that we can take and show that the Lord Jesus Christ truly is God. You think of the great Christmas text that he, his name, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's our Savior. He's the one that we exalt and that we glorify today. Now, the next time, I thought that we'd run out of time, so we have really more than run out of time. So the next time, we'll examine some of the other doctrines and false doctrines of the Jehovah Witnesses. But 
we stand, we preach Christ and him crucified. The Lord Jesus Christ is the center of our religion, the center of what we preach. He is the author. He is the one who is the Savior. There's neither salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. We need one who is a mediator, one who is God and man, one who is able to stand between God and man, and that is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't deny that. We stand for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. May God write his word upon our hearts, and may we glorify and exalt our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, this evening. Well, let's just unite together, please, at the throne of grace in prayer, and let's seek the help of God uh, as we go forward in these days that we might see uh, the name of our Lord exalted and glorified, and that we might see many brought to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And uh, pray that uh, God will bless the meetings on the Lord's day and bless the going forth of God's precious word in these days. And let's really please seek the face of God in prayer. I see the, the time here. That was giving me 30 minutes, 35 minutes, um, but maybe we had more time. But anyway, we have more time to pray tonight. And uh, let's, one after the other, seek the face of God, please. loving Father in heaven, we turn to thee in our Saviour's precious name tonight, and we do thank thee for our Saviour, we do thank thee for the one who died on the cross and shed his precious blood. We thank thee for the one who has washed us in his own precious blood, and our God, we thank thee, we preach Christ and him crucified, and our Father, we pray that we might stand faithful to thee blood unto the book in this day. Help us, Lord, to glorify thee. We think of many people, uh, probably uh, sincere people, uh, people who are seeking answer, answers to the uh, problems of the day. And there are these religions that are given them answers. But Lord, we pray that thou wouldst draw them unto thyself and enable them to have the right answers. And we pray that they may look and study the Scriptures. We think of the words of the Saviour, search the Scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life, for they are they that testify of me. And so, our God, we just ask thee for thy blessing tonight. Our God, we pray for Jehovah's Witnesses. We pray for those that are caught up in this system. We recognize that in many ways they've been uh, they've been brainwashed and our God we'd ask thee that thou would set them free we do thank thee for those that have been set free and we'd ask thee Lord that in this day the name of Christ and the gospel of our Saviour might have free course and be glorified bless us tonight as we seek thy face we do remember the meetings as they come we'd ask that thou would bless the going forth of thy word and we'd ask thee that many might be turned from uh, their sin to righteousness 
and that they might seek God in this day. So our God, we look to thee and we pray for thy help and thy blessing upon us tonight. Help us even in the place of prayer. Pour out the spirit of supplication upon us and help us, Lord, to seek thee with all of our hearts. For it's in Jesus' precious name I would ask these things. Amen.